We'll go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Genesis 29. We're continuing, of course, our study of the life of Jacob. Jacob is, oftentimes we call him the deceiver. But we know he's the man that produced the twelve tribes of the nation of Israel. His name was changed from Jacob to Israel. And he has left home. He has made his way to his uncle Laban's, the plan to find a wife from the daughters. We saw last time that he got not one wife, but two wives, Rachel and Leah. And this evening, the children are born. In fact, as we look at these children are born, we'll see, we'll think about Psalm 127, where children are a gift from God. And we see that these sons become the twelve tribes of the nation of Israel. We'll look at their names, because the names mean something as we go through it. We'll see how it is. So this evening, the birth of the children, it's a strange family and a strange situation. And yet God works through all of these things. Sometimes this has been called the battle of the brides or the battle of the mamas. Could be that way. We'll see how it fits together. Let's start with a prayer and then we'll get into it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thank you, Lord, for the songs. Thank you for the privilege of being able to come together with fellow believers and study the Bible. Thank you, Lord, for your word, how perfect it is. Lord, as we think about the nation of Israel and we think about the different tribes and then these names, and and yet we see them tonight as they're actually born into this world and, and the names that they have and all of those different things. So, Lord, we just ask you that you would teach us that uh, as we study this, we'll be able to understand it and be able to put it all together. Lord, most of all, thank you again for Jesus. You have given to us eternal life simply as a gift, simply by faith. Thank you that Jesus died and rose again and gives salvation, eternal life to all who believe. Thank you, Lord. Teach us now. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think one of the greatest miracles of all, of course, is having a child and, and seeing the birth of a child. There's a lot of conflict in our country considering unborn children. We know that some of the people or many people in our, even our country think that the baby in the womb is a non-person. Uh, the truth from God's Word is clear that that's a child. Dr. Jerome, I, I read a study because I was doing some things on, on abortion and children and all that. There's a, a, a man named Dr. Jerome Lejeune. He's the, a Frenchman. He's considered to be the world's authority on genetics without a doubt he says this without a doubt at conception the complete person is there psalm 139 states that even before we're born god is working and shaping the person he not only knows us but he plans and shapes our lives and then the miracle for us is the birth i can still see the birth of my two babies to my two girls they're not babies anymore they're grown up but I can still remember that birth and seeing them come and, and going, wow, that, that, that's it's amazing. Those are special days, and it's special for all of us when we think about that. Uh, the birth of a child, in this section, we're not only going to see the birth of a child, but we're going to see birth of children. In fact, a number of them. In fact, we're going to see uh, in this passage that God builds the nation of Israel through Jacob. There are 11 sons and a daughter. At this point, there's going to be some more children before it's all over. And as we see this passage, let me give you some truths to think about. Number one is that each child, each person and child is unique, special, and different. God shapes and forms each life. He is the giver of life. Each one is special and unique. Each person in this room is different from another person, and yet we're special and unique. Different is not bad. Different is good. You know, it's a good thing we're not all the same. We wouldn't even like each other if we were all the same. You know, let's think about that. Number two is that God is sovereign. He is working in all these events. I mean, he takes even all the wrongs that have gone on and all of this stuff, and he turns it and still works his plan right. And then the third thing as we think about is when we break God's word, there are going to be consequences. And they're violating God's word in a lot of ways. We've seen it all the way through, but there's always consequences. There's God's way, which is the right way. And, And when people go contrary to the Scripture, there are consequences. Well, let's begin. We're going to see the birth of the babies. And let's remember what has happened. Isaac and Rebekah, 
had sent their son Jacob away to live with Uncle Laban. That's her brother. There were two reasons. One is that Esau, the twin brother, wanted to kill Jacob. Jacob had the twin brother, and Jacob deceived his brother. Jacob deceived his father, and and uh, and because of that, got his got the birthright and the blessing and all those things. Jacob uh, he, he wants to kill him, so the, the mom says we got to get him away from here. But second is they wanted him to get a wife, and they wanted to get him a wife from the relatives, not from the Canaanites, but from the relatives. So Jacob made a five hundred mile trip, and on the way, God appeared to Jacob in a dream. You remember he laid down and he saw this. The stairway to heaven, you know, he saw this ladder. Some people call it Jacob's ladder. He was get the angels were going up and down, basically coming back and forth from God, and there was the Lord at the top of there. He reminded him of the covenant, and he gave him all the promises. All the promises that were given to Abraham were on down to Isaac, and now given to Jacob. And uh, so God says, "I will protect you, and I will bless you." And that's exactly what we see all the way through his life. It's, I mean, think about it. He is a deceiver. He's a trickster. He's a he's a guy that you. You probably wouldn't want to be around very much because you're afraid that he would trick you. And yet God continually blesses him because it goes back to Abraham, to Isaac, and on down to him. Well, you see what happens. He arrives. He falls in love with Rachel, one of the daughters, and he works. He agrees to work seven years for her. And it says it was just a few. It seemed like a few days to him. And so he says to, to Laban, he says, now time. I've worked for seven years. I want to I wanna marry Rachel and we know at that appointed time, Laban deceives Jacob. Just like Jacob was the deceiver, be not deceived, God is not mocked, whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. Jacob's been known as a deceiver, well, he gets deceived because Laban gives him the other daughter, Leah. Now, Leah, it says that, if you read the Bible, it says that she had sad eyes. That's not a really good interpretation. It doesn't mean that she was not pretty. It 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 it, uh, it actually means she has kind eyes. It has that idea that it was she was a gentle person. He just was attracted to Rachel. Rachel sort of was one of those that just stands out. She was beautiful, uh, and and he wanted her, and he wakes up with Leah. And uh, that's a bad trick to play on somebody. It really is, because it's not good. We said last time that Laban's actions affected so many people. It's going to affect Laban. It affected Leah. She's now married to somebody who doesn't love her and doesn't want her. And Rachel, who was planning to get married, is not married. And then Jacob, who was planning to marry Rachel, is not married to Rachel. It's just been a mess. And so he is really upset. He says, this is not right. And he says, okay, here's what I want you to do. You you spend the next week with Leah. That's her bridal week. And at the end of that week, I'll give you Rachel. But you'll have to work seven more years for her. And so he agrees to do that. So he's tr- deceived again. And he works. He's going to end up being at least working there for 14 years. He's going to be there for over 20 years. But at least 14 years for the women. Last time we saw that there are wrongs. There are two wives. There's going to be conflicts. There's going to be problems. And any time you violate God's commands, there's going to be problems. He came to get a wife. He got two wives. He planned to stay a short time. He's going to stay over 20 years. Well, what happens? Well, this evening we're going to see the birth of the children. Look at Genesis 29. We're going to see the problems in the relationship. Notice verse 31. Genesis 29:31. Now the Lord saw that Leah was unloved. Now, is that Leah's fault? No. Is that Jacob's fault? No, it's not. Whose fault is that? I think it's Laban's fault. I mean, that's who it is. He put that whole situation together. The Lord saw that Leah was unloved, and he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Now, God is the one who decides. Now, when um, the original Hebrew says that, that, uh, and I hate to even bring it out, but it's the word that says he hated and loved, and that's the Hebrew way of, of just saying chose. Jacob had chosen Rachel over Leah. There's no doubt about that. He never wanted her. He was tricked into marrying her. It's not her fault. But it says that the Lord, that's the personal name for God, the Lord saw that Leah was unloved. So he opened her womb. He's a personal God. He has sent 
I mean, he, he loves us. In a, in, you know, when you think about God, because the name Lord there, L-O-R-D, all capitals, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, is the personal name of God. It's Y-H-W-H in the Hebrew, and it's personal. And it is true that God is a personal God. He loves us in an in a everlasting way. He has sent Jesus Christ. We have a personal relationship with God. God is the one that opens the wombs. I think we got a slide that we can throw up there. God, realize God opens the womb. God is the life giver. Psalm 27. Uh, let, let, let me just read this. You think about it. Psalm 27, 1 it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. It goes down in Psalm 27, uh, 127, verse 3. Children are a gift from the Lord. It's the grace of God. None of us deserve children. In fact, some people say, I sure don't deserve this. <laughs> That's sometimes how they think about their children. But the truth is, it's the privilege of having children and getting to bring into this world uh, God's gift. Their own loan, we're the providers, protectors, and the trainers. We get to train them up. It goes on in Psalm 127 that says, Happy is the man who has a quiver full. Uh, by the way, I think by the time Jacob is through, he's going to have a quiver full. God is the one who opens the womb, and God closes the womb. And in this passage, it says, The Lord opened Leah's womb, but Rachel's womb was barren. Now, one of the things about it, <clears throat> what we have to do, and we don't understand it because there are some people who want children, and they, they don't have them. They can't have them. There's some people who just seem like they can have them all they want to. God is the one who's in control, and he works all things according to the counsel of his will. And we have to trust him. And we may say, I want children right now, and he may say, it's not time, just trust me. And then so we just have to see what God's going to do. And in this, he is working in all of this, and we'll see what happens. Children are born, we're going to see their names, we're going to see what happens. Let's look at the first one, verse 32. Leah conceived and bore a son, and named him Reuben. For she said, because the Lord has seen my affliction, surely now my son, my husband will love me. Now the word name Reuben literally means behold a son. That's what Reuben means. Ben is the name for son. So Reuben means the idea of see the son, behold the son. So she says, look, I have a son now. Because I've given him a son, what will he do? He will love me now. See, because I've, I've brought him a son. So this is the very first one born. His name is Reuben. And she thinks, now Jacob will love me. There are people who think that by having children, suddenly their marriage is going to get a lot better. There are people who think that we don't love each other or we're having all kinds of problems, so the way to solve this is to have a child. That will bring us together. That doesn't always work. In fact, it doesn't usually work. And we're going to find in this situation, she brings forth a son, Behold, a son, and she thinks Jacob will love her. Notice what it says again. She conceived and said, Because the Lord has seen my affliction, surely now my husband will love me. He doesn't love her because she's given him a son. And that's a sad, sad. This is sad. In fact, most of this is sad. It's not sad on these children. It's great to have these kids, but it's not, it's sad about what happens. Notice a second thing. Number, verse 33. Then she conceived again. And bore a son and said, Behold, because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. So she named him Simeon. Simeon means heard. That's what it means. God, well, it's not supposed to say God heard Simeon, but the, the name Simeon means heard. It God heard or God uh, has heard. Uh, God hears is what it means. It's having, now listen, she says, I, I now realize that having children doesn't make him love me, so I'm still unloved, so, so God has heard me. So she's named him Simeon, God heard. This is still not the way 
that Leah wants it. So look what happens. Verse 33, she conceived, verse 34, she conceived again and bore a son and said, now this time my husband will become attached to me because I've borne him three sons. Therefore she named him Levi. Levi means joined. We always talk about the tribe of Levi and the Levites. It means joined. She says, he'll now join with me. He'll now be attached to me because I have given him three sons. Now, you know, in that culture, having a son was a big deal because the son carried on the name. Remember, the firstborn son got the double portion and the blessing and all that. And and the sons all got everything. And so she's given him three sons that could be said, you know, she's done a great job. That's what some might say. She says, now he'll become attached to me. Does he become attached to her? Do you realize that he's never going to be attached to her? As I said, this is sad. Well, there's going to be one more. She conceived again and bore a son and said, This time I will praise the Lord. Therefore she named him Judah. Then she stopped bearing. The fourth one's name is Judah. The name Judah means praise. So all these plans and, and of, of making Jacob love her, it ends and she praises God that she's given, that uh, she's got this. Now these, these sons are famous, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. When we think about it, Reuben, of course, was the firstborn. Now he was supposed to get what? What's the firstborn get? The double portion and the blessing and, and the priesthood and everything. He gets none of that. You know why? Huh? So he gets a double portion of the land. You're right. He didn't get any of it. Because he did something really bad later on. We'll see it later on. And he loses his rights. You could lose the rights of the firstborn if you did something bad. Reuben did. Uh, Levi, we know Levi because the priesthood came through the tribe of the Levites. You know Judah. Uh, Judah's a pretty special guy because through him comes the Messiah. The king is promised through the tribe of Judah. So there's some great things. So you got Reuben, a son. Reuben means son. He says, God will, Jacob will love me. Nope. Simeon, God has heard that I'm not loved, so she names him Simeon, which means heard. Levi, God, he's going to now become attached to me because I've got him three sons. Levi means attached, didn't work. Judah, God be praised, I have given him four sons. Judah means praise. So we see how this fits together. So four sons. Everything's going pretty good. Now let me ask you a question. If you're Rachel, what are you thinking? This has not turned out very good for me either. She, you would think that when... When she got married to Jacob, her first thought was, the only bad thing about this is I've got my sister here as a co-wife. I'm supposed to have married him, but, but he loves me. I know that. I know he doesn't love her. But what's happening in the situation? The sister's getting all the babies. Yeah. No, not on this one. Not on this one. But that uh, uh, we'll see a little bit later what happens. Let's talk about polygamy for just a second. It is wrong. Why? Number one, because you can't be flesh, one flesh with two different people. Number two, there's always conflicts and there's always favoritism. It always is that way. Now, what happens? Look at chapter 30, verse 1. Now, when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she became jealous of her sister and she said to Jacob, Give me children or else I die. Now, she saw that, that it wasn't working and she's jealous. And, and jealousy, there's always conflicts. There's always conflicts. You just go ahead and marry two people and see what happens, okay? See what kind of conflicts you're going to have. But anyway, that's what happens. And bearing children was very important. And it has been said that at, not, at that time, not having children was considered a sign of disfavor. So here she is saying, I'm supposed to be the one loved. I'm supposed to be the special one. I don't have any children. That looks like God's upset with me about something. Now let me ask you something. What has Rachel done wrong? You think anything? I can't think anything. She hasn't done anything wrong. 
but she's not having any babies. And she says, give me children or else I die. Now, I want you to understand something. She can say that to Jacob all she wants to, but Jacob's not in control. Jacob is not in control in the situation. He doesn't decide if she has children. God decides. Look what it says in verse 2. Jacob's anger burned against Rachel and said, and he said, Am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Now he says, I'm not the one who decides this. I'm not God. God is the one that decides. He is the one that has withheld this fruit. Now, sometimes when people, you know, that day and time, if you didn't have children, sometimes people thought that God was not for you. But that's not true at all. It has nothing to do with it. It has God's plan and how he's working things. So look what she decides to do. Verse 3. She said, Here is my maid Bilhah. Go into her that she may bear on my knees, that through her I too may have children. So what she decides to do is a custom. And you remember it's the same custom we saw back with Abraham and Sarah. When Sarah said, Take my handmaid and Hagar, take her, and we can produce children through her. You remember, that was a custom. And we're going to see, I think the next slide says, Custom that the maids could bear the children, and they would be counted as the children of the wife. That's what it was. That's the custom. When they used the term, She may bear on my knees, that was a way of saying, May count as my own. She said this, Here's my maid Bilhah. Go into her that she may that they that she may count as my own. That through her I may have the children. That's the idea. Now the custom doesn't make it right. It's not right to do this. Now we'd all say, now wait a minute. So what we're saying is, the nation of Israel, the children of Israel, the ones that are going to be the twelve sons, the twelve tribes that become known as what we call God's people group, they're coming from really first of all from an unloved woman. And now from from a slave woman. Not even from Rachel. So what happens? Here is my maid Bilhah. Go into her that she may bear on my knees that through her I too may have children. The custom is contrary to the word of God. But uh, there's uh, we, we're going to see how God works through this. God takes our wrongs. We already saw that all the way through this, that, that, that when, when we go all the way back to the blessing and, and uh, you know, Jacob and Esau and, Rach, uh, and uh, uh, you know, the, the dad and all that whole situation, every one of them did wrong. Every one of them did wrong. And now there's, there's wrong here, but look what God does. Verse 4, so she gave him her maid Bilhah as a wife, and Jacob went into her. Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. This is, well, sounds okay. Rachel said, all right, God has vindicated me and has indeed heard my voice and he has given me a son, therefore she named him Dan. You know what the name Dan means? It means judge. She said, God's judged me and he's vindicated me. I've stood before the judge God and God says, you okay. You're okay, I'm giving you a son. Now, she's not have the son, but she's saying, I'm counting this as my son. And so she named him Dan, which means judge. That's why the name Daniel. See, Dan by itself means judge. Daniel, L, E, L is a name for God. Daniel means God is judge. That's what the name means. So here we see that she names him Dan. Rachel's maid Bilhah conceived again. This was not a one-time deal. Rachel's maid Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. So Rachel said, all right, 
with mighty wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister, and I have indeed prevailed. She said, I'm winning. Is she winning? The other sister has how many? She has four, doesn't she? And she's right now, she didn't have any, but she's fixing to have a second one through a maid. And so she says, uh, she's, I've wrestled with my sister and I've prevailed, and she named him Naphtali. Naphtali means my wrestling. So she's a wrestler. We're seeing the contest on who's going to have the most children by Jacob. The problem is, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. Yet God takes our actions and he works them according to his plan. We'll see it. Well, watch what happens. What do you think Leah's going to do now? She says, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What's going on over here? You're having kids? You're not having kids. You're having kids, You're having kids by a maid. Yeah, they're my kids, though. I've got two. She could say, well, I've got four. But, you know, I don't really like the whole situation, so here's what I'm going to do. Then Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, and she's afraid they're going to catch up to her, so she took her maid Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as a wife. How many women does he have now? Four. Uh, Listen, if you think that's a great idea, just go ask him. It's not a great idea. So Leah said, so at Leah's maid, Zilpah bore Jacob a son, verse 11, and Leah said, how fortunate. So she named him Gad, and the name Gad means good fortune. So she said, this is great, I've, I've got a son, but there's going to be more. Leah's made Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, happy am I, for a woman will call me happy. So she named him Asher. Can you guess what Asher means? It means happy. So we'll get all these kids. So they got eight sons so far, four by Leah, two by Bilhah, and two by Zilpah. God gives the children. Taking a strange, conflicting situation, and he will build out of this the nation of Israel. That means God takes all situations and our actions and he uses them to work out his perfect plan for his honor and his glory. We're going to see later on when all this comes to pass toward the very end of the book when Joseph, of course, becomes king, you know, comes second in command in, the, in, uh, in Egypt and the brothers come up and they had sold him into slavery. You remember what he said to them? You meant it for what? Evil, but God meant it for good. God works all things. God works all things things well what happens now look at verse 14 now in the days of the wheat harvest reuben went out and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother leah then rachel said to leah please give me some of your son's mandrakes now reuben is the oldest son we don't know how old he is when this is happening he could be as old as 10 or 12 or 14 he could be as young as six or seven we just don't really know but he goes out and he gets mandrakes Okay, I, think, I don't know if the next man. Women ate them hoping to get pregnant. What mandrakes were, the best we can find is they were small, orange-colored little berries. They were about the size of a small apple. And women thought, people thought that if you ate these, it would make you be able to get pregnant. And that's what they hoped for. So here's what happens. Reuben goes out and gets some mandrakes to take them to his mother Leah. What's Leah wanting to do? She's wanting to have some babies because she's had how many? She's had four, and her handmaids had two, and she wants more. So here's what happens. She goes and tells her son to find her some mandrakes, and so he gets some. Rachel comes to Lee and says, let me have some of your son's mandrakes. What I'd probably say is, why don't you go get your own mandrakes? Right? <laughs> I mean, if my son can go get mandrakes, why can't you go get mandrakes, right? But she said to her, is it a small matter for you to take my husband? You've already got my husband, and would you like to take my son's mandrakes also? She's basically saying, well, you come in here asking for that, and you've already taken my husband. 
Now, by the way, the best that we could tell, because of the way she says this, that Rachel decides where Jacob spends the night. Best you can tell. We're going to see it here in just a minute. Because Rachel is considered the wife. He also has another wife. He also has two other wives who are actually handmaids. And the best that we can tell, since Rachel is the loved one, that she decides what goes on in this household. So she says to him, is it just a small matter for you to take my husband? I was married to him, now you got him, and he loves you, he doesn't love me. Will you want to take my son's mandrakes also? So Rachel said, therefore, he may lie with you tonight in return for your son's mandrakes. She said, I'll take them if you, he, he can spend the night with you if you'll give me the mandrakes. What's she hoping? She's hoping the mandrakes will help her and she'll eventually have a child. So watch what happens. When Jacob came in from the field in the evening, then Leah went out to meet him and said, You must come in to me, for I have surely hired you with my son's mandrakes. Is this a mess? This is like a, like a soap opera, right? You must come lie with me. You can see him coming in, hard day at the field. you got to come with me tonight. I hired you. I, I bought you with some mandrakes. He probably says, I, don't, I can't keep up with where I'm going anyway, right? <laughs> Jacob came in from the field in the evening when Leah went out to meet him and said, You must come in to me for I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he lay with her that night. Watch what happens. God gave heed to Leah. Now remember, she had stopped bearing. She had four sons, and then they had the, the two by the handmaid, and she hadn't had child in a while, but notice what it says. God gave heed to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Then Leah said, God, God has given me my wages because I gave my maid to my husband. So she named him Ishakar. Ishakar means man for hire. See? You think Ishakar said, why did y'all call me man for hire? And she said, because the night you were born <laughs> conceived, I heard your daddy. <laughs> I mean, this is a mess. But, obviously, this was not a one-time deal, notice. Leah conceived again and bore a sixth son to Jacob. Then Leah said, God has endowed me with a good gift. Now my husband will dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. So she named him Zebulun. You know what Zebulun means? It means dwelling. She thinks he's going to come want to be with her from now on. She's given him six sons. How many kids does he have so far? Six and two is eight and what? So watch what happens. Afterwards, here's the, here's the afterthought. Oh, by the way, afterwards she bore a daughter and named her Dinah. No name, nothing, no, 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 uh, no name, what, no idea what Dinah means and no big deal about it. By the way, she is an amazing woman herself. And there's some things that happens to her later on. If you study through the scripture, you realize some, some things that happen there. Uh, her name's not even given here. There's no, I mean, when I say her name's not given here, what her name means. But the name Daniel and Dan, and the name Dinah have exactly the same root. Her name literally means judge as well. Okay? So they name her Dinah. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I think that it was just decided, you know, and sometimes at birth they were named because of a situation or something. And uh, so 
I think the mamas are naming these right now. Well, a lot of times you'd go back to the father and he had the final say. If you remember when John the Baptist uh, was born and they came to Zacharias and, and, and uh, Elizabeth said his name is going to be John and they said nobody's named John and so they went over to Zacharias and said, hey, what are you going to call the kid? And he wrote down John. So they sometimes went back to the daddy for the final thing. But obviously in this, Jacob doesn't have a whole lot of input into some of these stuff, right? I mean, you look at Jacob and he's just... He's just producing babies. But God's using him to do what? To give us what? The nation of Israel. Well, it's not over yet. Verse 22. Then God remembered Rachel. Now, she's not had any children all this time. And God gave heed to her and opened her womb so she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. Why? Because this is their son. It's a real son. It's just, this one's from her. She named him Joseph. We know Joseph. He's, he's the most famous one. Now, she had another son. What was his name? Benjamin. Joseph and Benjamin. And so, she says, Joseph. Do you know what the name Joseph means? It means, may he add another. You know what she's actually saying? Watch. She named him Joseph, saying, may the Lord give me a what? Another son. She doesn't want to stop with one. She says, give me another one. I'm going to name him. Give me another one. And that's what Joseph means. Give me another one. Yeah, she's wanting these kids. Joseph is born. Jacob has 11 sons. Six by Leah. Four by maids. One by Rachel. And he has a daughter. God takes the mess of a family with all the conflict, all the competition, and he brings out of it the foundation of the nation of Israel. We have 11 of the 12 sons who will become the 12 tribes. It's so amazing. You know, he, we see him, we see Jacob and he's Jacob deceiver and Jacob deceiver and the whole time he's there, he's Jacob a deceiver and on the way back, God deals with him and he wrestles with God and God touches his, you know, his thighs, hip and he has to limp from the rest of his life and that's when he wrestled with God and he held on to God and he wanted to be blessed by God and so God changed his name. That's the time he changed his name to Israel, which means prince. That's the first time that Jacob really trusted God. I'm not talking about for salvation. I'm talking about day in and day out. He's always trying to figure out how he can get ahead, how he can trick. Wait, wait till you get to the next chapter. And they start talking about producing you know, all these flocks and these sheep and everything. And what he's going to do, he's going to be deceiving. In fact, both Laban and him are going to be deceiving up a storm. They're really good. This is the most deceitful group you're going to see just about in the Scripture because that's all they want to do is deceive one another. God works. God works His will in all events of our lives and will fill His plan using our choices whether they are right or wrong. Nothing is outside of God's plan. He works all things according to the counsel of His will. What have we seen? We've seen the birth of 11 sons and one daughter. Each son was named according to the unique situation. Each son was unique and special. God determines who has children and when He is the life giver. He gives the gift of children and in the midst of all this conflict, God is working. So let me give you some applications to think about. First of all, children are a gift from God. They are. There's no doubt about it. Psalm 127 says children are a gift. So here's what we do. Rest in His plan. We have to trust Him. 
if we want children, we have to trust him. Uh, he's going to work it out. He does all things according to his plan. Second, B, look at children as on loan from God. That's really how we look at it. Most of you, if you have children, you realize just how fast it goes, right? Doesn't it seem like it? In fact, if your children are grown, didn't it seem like they were just born and all of a sudden they're grown? And doesn't it seem like they were just born and all of a sudden they're eight? And they were just born and all of a sudden they're 14? And then you can hardly wait for them to get 20, you know, and get through those teenage years. But isn't it amazing how fast it goes? They're just on loan to us from God. How do you view your children as a gift or a burden? We see our children as gifts from God. We have the privilege and responsibility to bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. And that's one of the things we do, especially the dads. We're the trainers. We're the, we're the, the you know, fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. We need to teach them the principles and the truths of God's Word so they can know right from wrong. The point is that each child is special and unique. And as you see these 11 sons so far, each one of them is unique. Each one of them is special. And we'll see them as, as time goes by and we get a little further up and they grow up. And they're boys, they're men, and we see what happens when Joseph comes along, and Joseph gets the coat of the many colors, and Joseph tells all his brothers, you know, one of these days all you guys are going to bow down to me because I had a dream about it. They don't like him at all. That's why they sold him into slavery. We'll see all that. We'll see how God works even in those things. So children, um, go back. Yeah, children are on loan for us for God. They're gifts. Number two, there are consequences when we violate the Word of God. Jacob's two wives, the handmaids, the sexual relations, the conflicts, the jealousy, the envy, the competition, the messed up family. There are always problems when we go against God's word. When people have sex before marriage, when they're unfaithful in marriage, when they're not honest, when they steal, there's always going to be consequences when we violate the word of God. Always. And we see it over and over in, in the life of Jacob. Uh, in the life of, uh, of, of throughout all of these events, even these boys, how they're going to deal with each other. We must live our lives based on the scripture. And last but not least, or third, God sovereignly works all things in all situations. That is the greatest truth of all, that there is no such thing as chance or fate or bad luck or good luck. You just trust God. He works all things. He uses our actions and decisions. We must trust God, rest in Him. He is working all things according to the counsel of His will. Now, there's some principles and things I want you to think about from this passage. That sex, love, marriage, children, none of that will ever be fully satisfied unless it's according to the Word of God. When you have sex outside of God's plan, the whole idea of loving somebody, the idea of marriage and children, it must be according to the Word of God or else it will never be what it's supposed to be. And that's why God is the sovereign one. He tells us what's right and what's wrong. And we live in a culture that says, no, 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 no. You do whatever you want to do. And that's why there's so many problems. Second, B, neither sex nor children can bring love. You can't make somebody love you because you have sex with them. And you can't make somebody love you because you have their child. It's not going to work. And there are people who think uh, he will love me if I have sex with him. Sometimes people say we will love each other if we just could have a child. That doesn't work. God is sovereignly working all things according to the counsel of His will in all situations. Do what is right. 
live righteously and godly in a fallen world. We want to seek to know and apply the Bible. We want to base our lives on the truths of the Bible. We want to pass these truths on to our children and realizing that God is working all events of our lives. Let's pray. And if you have questions or comments, we'll we'll talk about them. Heavenly Father, what a great passage. Thank you for to the babies being born, the children coming into the world, Lord. And it's your grace. Those children did nothing wrong. You just brought them right into the world and in a situation. And we just look at Rachel and Leah and Jacob and the handmaids, and, and Laban, and everything that's going on, oh, we realize that it's a mess, and yet you take our messes, and you work your will, your counsel, your plan, you work all things together for good. Those that love you, those that are called according to your purpose, thank you, Lord, for that. Lord, just teach us as we look at these things, and may we realize the great gift of children, how wonderful they are, and uh, may we do the right things and live according to the Word of God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, questions, comments, anything? Not quite through yet. Any questions or comments? Anything? Oh, it's unbelievable how old he was. He was 76 when he left. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so how old is he then? He's right at 90-something. Yeah. Oh, he keeps having them. I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Something seemed to be different, didn't it? What else? Yes. Why so? Why what? What was the question? Why did they have so many children? Is that what you're saying? One of the reasons we see that they had children here is, first of all, they were in a competition. So they're trying to have a bunch of kids. But God takes that and uses it to build a nation of people, which we call the Jewish people. And he builds the, the, the tribes of Israel, the nation of Israel, in which he's going to bring us the word of God and the Messiah. So he uses all these kids to bring about something really good. Well, we, well, at the very beginning, Adam and Eve had a lot of children. We don't have names but the three of them, but there are a bunch of, of people, a bunch of children. Yeah. The, it's Joseph who grows up. It's Joseph, this, this little boy that's born, the last one we saw born, he will end up being second under the Pharaoh in Egypt. That's the guy. He's going to be second in command, yeah. That's okay, you got it, it's Joseph, but you're right, it's, that's the guy, he's going to become that. Isaac's the dad of Jacob. Actually, Isaac doesn't have much press at all. Isaac only has two chapters. <laughs> he's really, a, he's a, he, was, he was just not a whole lot said about him. Uh, he's the son of Abraham and the father of Jacob. That's about how he's put out. So he's, he's a good man. All these, I mean, God uses all these people and he uses them for his glory. And he takes all of us, each one of us are unique and special and uses us for, for his glory. Okay, anything else? Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thank you for the privilege of studying the word of God. Help us, Lord, to know it and apply it and to, to be used for your honor and your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name.